Welcome to episode number 28 of the Hot Esquina podcast, the Josh Donaldson episode. Or if you want to go a little more back, you could go Malky Cabrera, you could go David Justice, you could go Chad Curtis, however you want to do it. Yo soy tu anfitrión, your host Enrique, joined by my co-host Sean. Today, we're going to go over the Orioles series, give you a preview of the upcoming Subway series, the two-game series with the first-place Mets. When's the last time you remember that a Subway series meant this much in the regular season, ladies and gentlemen? This one's going to be big. And we're going to talk with Jeremy from Royals Review to go over possible trade targets like Andrew Benatendi, Michael A. Taylor, maybe even a Scott Barlow. Who knows? It's going to be a good one. Hope you folks enjoy it. And we'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. So, to get this started, like we talked about in our last podcast, Michael King, unfortunately, out for the year. You guys already know what happened in the first game against the Orioles with the Yankees winning that one 7-6, to six, but it not feeling like a win thanks to Michael King's devastating injury. Yankees then came back on Saturday, losing that one 3-6 to six on a game that, let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, we should have won. You had Garrett Cole on the mound. Yankees took an early 3-0 lead. We're up three runs in the fourth, and all of a sudden, here comes the fifth inning, and Garrett Cole starts to struggle. You know, he asks Aaron Boone to leave him in the game in the seventh, and Aaron Boone listens to him, lets him stay in, and Garrett Cole just continues to falter. In enters Albert Abreu, throws a wild pickoff throw to first base that goes into right field and then the gates just opened up Shane Green came in later did not help matters gave up two runs in the eighth and that would be it for the Yankees you know what I'm saying we lost uh six to three as I said Green obviously designated for assignment right after I mean why wouldn't he be you know it it, it was what it was then Sunday Yankees more than made up for everything by winning Six nothing, blanking the Orioles on a great game by El Orgullo de Hialeah, Nestor Cortez, who pitched six strong innings, striking out seven, walking no one, and only allowing six hits. And Clark Schmidt getting the save, going three innings of shutout ball with with three strikeouts and only two walks to his name. This was a big game for Nestor, and for his fellow all-star battery mate, Jose Trevino, who went four for four. What a game for him. What a year for Jose Trevino. This has been awesome to watch. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the home run leader in the major leagues, Aaron Judge, hitting a two-run homer in this one and just further solidifying his case for the MVP. I mean, this was a fun one to watch and definitely the highlight game of the series because... As I mentioned, both of the other two games were just not very good for different reasons, obviously. But I digress. Let me welcome on my co-host at this time so he can give his thoughts on it. Sean, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, buddy. It's uh it was uh it's it's good to be back from the from the all-star break. Unfortunately, losing King is always devastating, but uh, Yankees did win another series, which I am always happy about. So, you know, I wanted a sweep, like I said in the, in the prior podcast, but I'm happy to win the series and, and now head home to, to, I guess not head home, but head back to New York to, to play the Mets. So that's always, um, that's always a fun time. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, that's, that's great to hear, man. Uh, what did you think of the series, by the way? Did any thoughts on the Orioles series, any thoughts on, Judge doing his thing, Trevino doing his thing, Nestor doing his thing. Any thoughts on the loss <laughs> with with Cole being robbed of a win? Uh, let's face it, he yeah, he faltered, but in my opinion, I feel like he shouldn't have taken the loss. What do you think? 
Uh, regarding all that, all right, that's tough to get to. Um, <laughs> but you know, regarding the series, uh, tough because obviously, like we said in the prior podcast and even just before, when you win the first game, but it doesn't feel like it, you know, you lose your second best reliever, that always stings. And then kind of to have almost a, a similar feeling of uh, in, the, in game two where you're up three nothing in the bottom of the seventh and then you just watch Cole run out of gas like that and have it completely unfold right in front of you. It uh it left another sour taste in our mouth where it, it almost felt like a win was right right there within grasp and then right around the seventh inning, you know, it all you know unfolds in front of us again. So um that that um that hurt. Regarding the series, those two games, you know, that that stunk. I want to give my, my props, though, to to Felix Batista on the on the Baltimore Orioles. That man is, you know, in his rookie season, he is a little later. You know, he's 27 years old and he's in his rookie year. But that man has uh, some incredible stuff. He, he was throwing 101, 102 mile an hour fastballs with his split finger topping out around 87, 88. And so, you know, throw hitters off, you know, completely off off track. And then he had a nasty slider that tailed off so well. And the Yankees couldn't hit him at all. He was someone that caught a lot of a Yankee fans' attention when, when he came in the game because I hadn't paid much attention to him, you know, until this series. But Felix Batista is, is gonna be a name to watch out for for you know the future against the Yankees. He he has some incredible stuff. Uh also, you know, Shane Green came and went. I'm not. I don't miss him. I wasn't. I wasn't too fond of him coming up. I, I understood why because we desperately needed another arm after losing King. Um, I know Yankee fans really thought that he was going to be the king of olds. You know, even with the Yankees and then being the All Star he was with Detroit and Atlanta. But you know, he just he was never the same after the 2021 year. And then uh, you know, watching him give up that two run home run to Urias, I felt like that kind of you know put the pushed the game. To its end, um, going into that final game, though, I I, I like that game a lot. That felt really, uh, I would say, important as a Yankee fan, obviously, but also really important for the Yankees. They needed that game. That was like a morale game, you know, to go out there and blank them in a rubber match game, you know, to win the series. They go out there and and put up a zero. Uh, great, great pitching by by Nestor. You know that shut a lot of the the naysayers up about, you know, him getting tired and running out of time, you know, his innings were too much and all that. He came in there through six shutout innings and under 100 pitches. You know, you you honestly couldn't ask for better. And then even Clark Schmidt getting the call up with Marinaccio making the call up as well. And Clark gets his first save with because he completed three innings. And both of them pitched perfect. It it, it went as, as perfect as you can be. And then obviously I didn't even get to mention Judge and the three home runs he had in the series. Now with 37 already on the year, it, it's it's insane what he's doing. You know, I know he's 37 home runs, 81 RBIs. It, it's 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 so awesome to see. And then even Carpenter, he had that home run in game two. In, and not a lot of people talk about it because of the fact the Yankees lost that game. But he's got 14 already. You know, and the Yankees are just clicking, um, starting to click a little bit more, especially after that game. And I think it was a huge momentum going into a day off and then now heading into city field. Um, they get to actually, you know, sleep in their own beds. And even though it's a road series, it's, it still feels like a home series in some respect. Uh, so they get that. And then before they head to another four game set at home against uh, Kansas city, we're going to have a special guest coming up to talk about that series. But before we get to our two games set against the Mets, I also want to shout out somebody and give a shout out to a Yankee that maybe isn't getting as much love from Yankee fans, and he should be. Uh, shout out and kudos to Isaiah Kiner Falefa, man. Twelve game hitting streak, uh, he's he's doing his thing. Had a nice RBI in in Sunday's game too. You know he he's he's contributing at the bottom of the order, and you can't ask for more than that. You know. Yeah, definitely. You know, twelve game hitting streak is definitely something to to look at. It's um. You know, I, I've always liked Kiner because he is an all-contact guy. And that's exactly the reason why, you know, he pinched hit in that Houston game because you could have went with someone like Donaldson or, you know, someone else off the bench, but you go with Kiner because you know he's going to get contact on that ball. You're just hoping it can, you know, squeak through for a base hit. And Kiner's been doing that since, you know, right before the All-Star break. And, and he's also, you know, stealing bases. He's got 14 on the year. That's nothing to laugh at either. You know, he's he's going out there and, and, you know, producing where he can. If he if he can get on base, you know, he's going to try to steal second. And so he's 
has capitalized on on his opportunity as a Yankee, and uh, I appreciate him for it, as not many Yankee fans do. I completely agree with you. Like I said, he deserves his props. He's he plays within himself. He doesn't try to be anything other than what he is, you know. And you and you gotta love that. And and the defense he's playing, yeah, it hasn't been perfect. But like we've talked about in previous podcasts, I'll take his defense over Glaber's any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Moving on, Sean, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on this upcoming Subway series? Talking about going back home, quote unquote home, even though they're not going to their stadium. But, you know, they're coming back to New York. They're going to be in City Field for two games against the Mets. You got the first game. I believe it's going to be Jordan Montgomery against Taiwan Walker. And the second game, you got Domingo Herman against Max Scherzer. Talk about a mismatch in that second one, huh? Uh, what do you think of this upcoming series? To be honest with you, I'm kind of excited about it. I think the the thing I fear the most is Taiwan Walker. Um, to be honest with you, you know, to throw out a a hot take, um, because Taiwan Walker has done well against us. I know he had that one game back in the, in when he was in the Seattle days where that did not pan out, but you know, he's always, he's had another strong season. He had a strong year last year before, before the second half. Uh, he's, he's been pitching well for the Mets. I, I expect the Yankees to perform well against Tywin Walker and still get the win, even though Montgomery's on the mound. And I know Yankees don't like to ever hit with him. You know, I don't know if he's got a curse on him or not. You know, who knows? But I expect the Yankees to have a really tough game in that one. I know Scherzer is incredible. I get that. Um, he is a Hall of Famer first ballot. He's arguably the second or third best pitcher in all baseball still right now. And I know Herman's on the mound for us too. And that's always, you know, like, oh, after you think like there's no chance that we can win that game. But, you know, the Yankees can hit off Scherzer well. I, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, like the Yankees losing, you know, five nothing or anything like that. I think it's going to, that's going to be a really good game as well. I expect a really tough series, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be nail biter both games. And hopefully the Yankees can use their advantage of trying to, you know, build farther and farther away from Houston and, and kind of sweep the series. To be honest with you, it's going to be a really close set. And I think the Yankees can win both games. And hopefully John Carlos Stanton plays in both in, in both games. I know he didn't play at all in, in the Baltimore series. So hopefully he's, uh you know, getting through some of his things and he can be back. He said it's small little things, but... I think they're setting him up to play in the Mets series, and I think uh, he'll have a huge impact. I mean, let's hope. Last I heard, I, I forgot where I heard it from, but he said that he expects to be ready to play at City Field. So if he does, that's a big boost to the Yankees lineup for sure. If there's one thing that favors the Yankees in this lineup is that the Mets are 5-8 and eight against interleague opponents this year. So that's, you know, that boosts well for us. The Montgomery game, um. I'm worried, man. I'm I'm worried about the Montgomery game because of exactly what you said. The Yankees don't like to score runs for him. And then you got a Mets lineup that's 20 and 15 against left-handed pitching. They know how to hit lefties. They're a team that even though they need more hitting at the deadline, make no mistake, they can score runs with the best of them. You know what I'm saying? They're they're not where they want to be. I feel like they're going to be aggressive at the deadline to add another batter too, just like we are, but they're not lacking any bats either. The, if if the Yankees make any mistakes, if Montgomery doesn't get any run support or he makes any mistake pitches, especially if he leaves any up and in the zone, brother, it's going to be a long night for him. You know what I'm saying? Um, Especially if Taiwan Walker pitches good against us, the Scherzer game, I mean, what can I say on paper? It looks like a tremendous mismatch, but you never know. You never know. Maybe Domingo Herman comes out and has the best game of his life. You know, he comes out motivated after getting swatted left and right in his last start. You know, you never know. You Like you said, maybe it might be closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, I think it's going to be, like I said, you know, you got the best team in baseball versus, you know, the second best team in the NL. So. Um, this is probably one of the very few times in the last decade where both teams were top tier in, in both their leagues. And I think, uh, especially because it's city field and that drama, I think it's going to be really intense, especially, I feel like when the Yankees head to city field, the intensity is much more, um, you know, 
well, when you play at the little brother's house, they, they tend to try to show out and, and, you know, make a statement that they're not a little brother anymore, even though they clearly are. And I don't care what Mets fans think they are a little brother. I get it. I've had that mentality being a Jet and Islander fan. Just face it. You're a little brother. It's okay. You know, but, and that's, that's the way it has to be, but I still expect them to come in and, you know, try to, you know, cut our heads off. They're going to come in and try to, you know, humiliate us and, and show that they are the alpha of, of New York. And, you know, we're going to try to do the same thing. I mean, I just feel like you got to come out there and you got to be aggressive, especially if you're pitching. You can't be scared of going against Alonso. You can't be scared of pitching against Lindor. You know, they got this guy from Pittsburgh now, Vogelbach, to fill in at the H. I mean, whoop-dee-doo. It's not like, you know, it's it's a Juan Soto trade, but, but let's face it, the guy is an all-star and was very good for the pirates and, and had some good years with Milwaukee. So, you know, good platoon guy for them. You got to be careful with him. He can hit bombs, you know, and, and don't discount guys like McNeil and Nimmo, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Getting on base and getting contact, especially with runners on. So I just feel like you, you can't pitch scared. You know what I'm saying? If, if you're the Yankees, you gotta, you can't nibble. You have to go right after these guys and you got to score runs because they're going to score runs. Even if even if you pitch a great game, you can't keep these guys without scoring. You're you're not going to shut them out. Let's be real, Sean. You know what I'm saying? They can score. So you need to score. And even in a tight game, I'm still expecting, you know, I don't know. Let's just say, you know, tomorrow's game, you know, Tuesday's game. Even if it's a tight one, who's to say it won't be a six to five ball game or a seven to five ball game, something like that. Like both teams are going to score, you know, the Wednesday one. Yeah, that might be a little more low scoring because, you know, Scherzer ain't going to allow anything. You know, you might catch him on an off day. Maybe he might. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. You know what I'm saying? He is human after all. He, He can have an off day and, you know, maybe it might be higher scoring than we think, but it's just. You know, I feel like that's the key for the Yankees. You gotta, you gotta be fearless on the mound against that lineup, and you gotta score runs against their pitching staff, even against a Max Scherzer. <laughs> and yeah. and the the good thing going for us is that they don't have Degrom yet, so we didn't have we don't have to go against Scherzer and Degrom because if that was the case, ooh, brother, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be real good. I, I love the fact that this team, this Yankee team, uh, has the experience against both pitchers. And that's always something anytime a Yankee team doesn't have experience or a lot of experience against new pitching, I always get worried because when you're seeing a pitcher for the you know a couple at-bats or the very first time, it's hard to read what they do or know what they can do. So, I you know, the Yankees have plenty of experience against Taiwan Walker. Um, you know, we have plenty of guys who have played – in the NL that know the Mets very well. You know, you have the Carpenters, the Donaldsons who played in Atlanta. You have, you know, Rizzo who played in Chicago. You had Stan who played in Miami. You got a bunch of guys, even DJ who played in Colorado for a long time. You know, you have the guys who are, you know, have played on the other side of the league. And uh, I, I expect, especially all those guys have had plenty of experience against Taiwan Walker. So I expect a good game there that, and I think the Yankees can or should, you know, at least win that game. That's just from my opinion. And then, you know, you got, you got Herman against Scherzer, supposedly. I know it's not officially announced if it's Scherzer yet, but it, it's basically said that it's Scherzer, but you know, for those guys, you got to assume every single one of our hitters have faced Scherzer a countless amount of time. Scherzer has been around for a long time and he is arguably top 10 best pitcher, maybe all time, maybe top 25. Uh, I expect the Yankees to bring it, though, you know, especially on a seven o'clock game on on in the weekend. I expect the uh, the Yankees to to come all in and try to you know steal that game and really make a statement, because if they can beat Scherzer in, in, in you know, prime time sort of television, then uh, it really goes to show that the Yankees are, are not to be messed with. I completely agree, man. Let's hope we take care of business and get that sweep. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one. Um. And like I said, hopefully they get that sweep and then move on to Kansas City and and face a Kansas City Royals team that you should dominate uh, all four games. You know, Um, speaking of the Royals, I want to I want to transition now and leave you guys with our interview with Jeremy Greco from Royals Review. 
this was a fun interview. Uh, me and Sean enjoyed talking to him. Good guy. Definitely a hardcore Royals fan. And uh, he was he was cool to talk to. We hope you guys enjoy. Here it is. So without further ado, to talk about this upcoming Royals and Yankees series, I'd like to welcome on our special guest, Jeremy Greco from Royals Review. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, brother. Thank you for coming on. I got to tell you, you guys, I, I know we spoke off affair, but you guys have one of the nicest stadiums in MLB, man. I know it's one of the older stadiums, but I love the the whole way it's set up. I love the waterfalls in the outfield, how you can hit a ball into the water. Like it's It's awesome how you guys have that set up. I know Anaheim has something similar, but you guys are the OGs. You, you guys were the ones that first started that. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I it's it's certainly uh, one of the more iconic features that's still left uh, out there in stadiums, and uh, it makes it makes it easy to be like, hey, you know, our team isn't great, but we do have a really nice looking stadium. I mean, you guys have had your good years. What well, what was that year that you guys uh, went to the World Series and? Um... I forgot if you guys won it or not, but there was one year that recently that y'all went all the way to the World Series because you had a really good contact rate. You had very good pitching. What year was that again? Uh, we went in 14 and lost in seven to the Giants, and then we went in 15 and beat the Mets. That's right. That's why I remember because the Mets were involved, Sean. Now I remember. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for us, man, anything Yankees or Mets related, we hear about it, unfortunately, because New York is just – you're either a Met fan or a or a Yankee fan. There's no if fans or buts about it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, yeah, man. So so I mean, you guys might might not be one of the best teams in MLB right now, but you had your glory years in 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 those two seasons, and I think a lot of it has to do with the pitching. You guys always were all about pitching. You always were about contact and you know playing the game the way MLB seems to be playing it now, where it's all about coming back to contact rate you know putting the ball in place stealing bases we're kind of getting away from the home run or nothing mentality so I'm very happy about that and you know that's the way you guys made it to the World Series and you know kudos to you guys I want to start it off by asking you speaking of contact rate one of your guys that's very good at that and you know a very good player for you guys that's been a subject of trade rumors lately um, especially with us, is um, Benetendi. What's your thoughts on Benetendi and him possibly getting traded? Uh, at this point, I would be really surprised if Benetendi didn't get traded. Um, the rumors are just so hot. And, you know, they say that where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, and I, I've heard the Yankees are big on him. And uh, I think we'd uh, we'd love to send him to y'all. And uh, that would that would work out pretty well for us, I hope. But yeah, uh, he is, he is just, he's rejuvenated himself. He's fixed his swing. He's having a great time and it'll, it'll be nice to see him uh, to, to get whatever we can for him. Cause unfortunately he's not going to be able to help us win this year. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if, if Andrew Benatendi gets, gets traded for sure. He's, he's a great outfielder. I feel like he, he does great at the plate and he's very good with with the glove obviously yeah, he won um, that gold glove last year yes sir yes sir he'd be a big upgrade over joey gallo am i right sean <laughs> defensively perhaps yeah you know i uh, have the power of the joey gallo but uh he'll 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 get some hits i am uh i am a very i'm very much a joey gallo enthusiast i don't care what anybody says i like him <laughs> <laughs> i always um, have admired him from afar yeah, sure. he is funny, you know, watching him on another team. I never pay attention that much. Obviously, I know I always pay attention to every player, but I don't pay attention to really criticize him of how many strikeouts and, you know, his three tool player. He is the, the same strikeout walk home run guy. He always will be. You don't realize it until he becomes a, you know, part of your team and especially with New York media and how much they pay attention to every at bat and everything you do, you know, so seeing how many strikeouts he has this year and how much Yankee fans are sick of the strikeouts because, you know, for years past, we've had so many guys that were just big bopper, you know, hitting home runs or nothing. And we were, we've been trying to move away from it every year. So I think, um, 
it's it's tough to watch Gallo having this type of year hitting, you know, 160, 170. But defensively, he is a monster. He, you know, he won a gold glove too last year. And uh, they're both, you know, Benintendi as well, gold glove level talent. The one thing with, with me with Ben Tendi, I'm not going to lie to you because I, I have never liked him because he was a Red Sox before you. <laughs> right. So I I have had many, many rivalries with that with that with that kid. So, you know, seeing his just his arm, I feel like his arm is a little underwhelming, so to speak. But you, you, you know, definitely want to keep him in left field. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, someone like us where we have Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo has a cannon for, for an arm. He just can't. He's got great, you know, vision of the plate, but he just can't put the barrel on the ball whenever he swings. Like then he can't see it. I don't know what it is with that, but you know, he draws a lot of walks. He knows what's a strike and what's not. He just can't get the barrel there, and you know, his hitting is is almost, you know, he is he can't hit. So I I don't know what the deal is with that, and that's why Benintendi comes in because he, he his his average is almost double of Gallo. So it's almost it's it's ridiculous. That's literally what I was about to say. It is exactly double, Sean. Joey Gallo is at 162, and Andrew Penitendi is hitting 317, man. So you would literally be doubling the average just by putting him into left field. Maybe you'd be sacrificing a little bit on the defensive side, but boy, would it be an upgrade at the plate. And it's really not much of a defensive sacrifice, especially you got two, you're got you replacing one gold glover with, with the next. And, you know, it's just maybe the arm for me, but those situations happen very few far in between where you're really gunning guys at home plate or whatever the case may right. be. So um, that's definitely a, a significant upgrade. I know Yankee fans want another, you know, a, a guy who could play multiple positions and then, you know, uh, another guy who could have more power. But I want guys like LeMahieu where it's just, you know, contact, contact, contact all the time. And, you know, I think that Benintendi's probably the best fit for us right now. Obviously, you know, obviously people want the Juan Sotos of the world. And, uh, you know, he's a generational talent, only 23 years old. But I would take someone like Ben Attendee, especially, you know, he, the Yankees desperately need contact and more contact getting guys on base. So I'm really excited for him. I mean, look, and you could fill in on this, Jeremy, but like you said, Sean, you're going from one gold glover to the other. Yeah, you're you're sacrificing a little bit on the power end, like Jeremy said, right? You know, going from 12 home runs down to three home runs on the season, you know, with Gallo having 12 and Andrew having three. But look, having said that, you're you're sacrificing on the home runs, but Benetendi has more RBIs than Gallo right now with 39 as opposed to Gallo only having 24. You know, so and, and an OPS of 785 as compared to Gallo's 631. So, I mean, honestly, bro, I take that trade off at the plate. You know, even if his arm is weaker than Gallo's, I would take it. Yeah, doubling, doubling the batting average is a, is a pretty, pretty drastic change. And it's not like Benintendi doesn't take his walks either. He'll take he'll take his walks. He, and he has doubles power. Um, And, you know, as a left handed hitter in New York, uh, maybe he'll find a few more home runs. The uh, Kauffman Stadium, as beautiful as it is, is not known for the home runs. Uh, so, you know, that that could actually end up working out very well for you. Uh, maybe not lose as much in the power department as you think. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, man, I, I think with, with Judge Stanton, Rizzo, all of them having the years that they're having home run wise. I don't mind. Not, I don't mind if Ben Attenney never hits a home run, you know, like he provides the batting average that the Yankees desperately need the on base percentages and, and getting someone on base constantly. That's the type of guy that, that the Yankees need. Um, I've, I've, I have never liked Benintendi obviously with the Red Sox roots, but I've <laughs> always, you know, envied him or admired him from, from being on the other side. I always from watching him wish that I had him on my team because the Yankees were so power, you know, heavy and never contact, you know, didn't have the contact. So it would be incredible if the Yankees could pull off that trade. I don't know. Obviously, we're still very preliminary in this, but that would be that would be incredible. I mean, think of it this way, Sean. Maybe he might be motivated being a former Red Sox to go against his former team. You know what I'm saying? How fitting would that be? You know what I'm saying? To see him hit a game-winning walk-off hit against Boston. Like, you want to talk about something we could shove in Boston's face? That'd be a good one, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be something. You know, watch it come full circle like that. Yeah, that would be really cool. Another guy I, I wanted to ask you about, Jeremy, is is Michael A. Taylor. 
because the Yankees have had their issues at center field, you know, with Hicks and, you know, earlier in the season. And I know a lot of Yankee fans agree with my take on this, that judge at center field, it's nice for right now, but he's not a center fielder. And, you know, you're just tearing, you know, wearing down the body of someone like biggest judge at center field, but Michael A. Taylor fits center field so well and is a gold glove level talent. So, you know, can you tell us more about him? Cause I like him, but maybe not a lot of Yankee fans do. Michael A. Taylor uh, is a gold glover. You say he say he's a gold glover, but he is he is as much a gold glover that if Andrew Benintendi was like the bottom, like the worst, he would still be a gold glover. Like he's so good defensively. He gets great reads. He's fast out there. Um, he's got a much better arm than Benintendi. And uh, it's it's been a genuine pleasure to watch him uh, patrol center field uh, in Kauffman Stadium. Uh, he just seems to to regularly make all, he makes all the plays you expect him to, and then he makes some plays that you're just like, how how did he do that? Um, and offensively, he has really come around this year. Uh, he he uh, had an off season actually two off seasons ago where he spent some time with uh, Royals special hitting coach uh, Mike Tosar. Um, and kind of retooled his swing and it didn't completely turn him around last year, but it's, it's really paid off this year as Tosar has joined the, uh, the big league staff and uh, he is, he is hitting pretty well. Um, He has value as a center fielder for his defense and for his speed, even if he doesn't hit, but the way he's hitting right now, I think it would be crazy for some, some playoff team needs to snap him up because you're not going to find a guy who's, who's playing that good defense hitting that well and has that much speed uh, on the trade market very often. Now the, the only kind of downside to him uh, is that he is under contract through next year, but he's only under contract for four and a half million, uh, which is a lot for the Royals, but for the Yankees, I think you'd look at that as a fourth or fifth outfielder and say, uh, who cares? Like it's barely anything. Um, so uh, I, I think I think he would also be a really good fit for y'all, uh, just because he's he's just doing everything right now, and he they've had him hitting all over in the lineup too. They've had him hitting everywhere from leadoff to batting eighth. So he's he's comfortable doing it anywhere. I got a question for you about Michael A. Taylor, actually, Jeremy. Um, for a guy that you know, for his career has 92 stolen bases. He's only stolen one base this year. You would think if you have a guy like that, you would put him to steal bases and, you know, use him in that aspect. And my second question would be, do you think he winds up getting traded? You know, you haven't heard him mentioned as much as Benintendi. Um, the Royals have been really weird about base running this year. Um, stolen bases have been a big part of their team culture since their winning days back in 13, 14, 15. Um, the, they've kind of famously won that wildcard game in 2014 because they stole eight bases. Uh, and, and he's got the speed to get the steals, but they, nobody's really been stealing bases for the Royals this year. Whit Merrifield, um, had had led the league in stolen bases for a couple years, and he's only got a handful this year. They've also made a lot of outs on the bases. I think um, they they lost their base running coach. Didn't, they didn't lose him. Uh, they had the their base running coach Rusty Koontz, uh took a different position within the organization this last year, and I think there's been some kind of growing pains. With uh, I'm not, I'm not actually sure off the top of my head who is currently the base running coach. Uh, but I think there's been some growing pains there and they have not been running as much or as effectively. I think if you, if you had a team that really wanted to be aggressive with the stolen bases, I think Michael A. Taylor can help you with that. Uh, I, I, it's just been kind of a weird year for the Royals where nobody's really stealing bases except for Bobby Witt Jr. Um, because Bobby Witt Jr. does everything. Um, and I really hope he gets traded. I feel like his trade value is never going to be higher for the Royals right now. I don't know what is he he's already over 30. So I don't trust that he's still going to be this good next year. So I really hope they can manage to trade him. Um, and I hope uh, some team picks him up and he helps them go a long ways in the playoffs. I I'm definitely one of those guys who roots for players when they get traded like that. 
Um, they traded Carlos Santana earlier this this season to the Seattle Mariners, and I'm rooting for him to hit a whole bunch of homers and help them get where they're going. Just because, like, you know, they didn't choose this. This is kind of the business of it, and uh, I, I want them to succeed and uh, wherever they go. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Michael A. Taylor's age. You know, he's almost, you know, he's 31, turning 32 next year. Uh, I was going to say that that was probably his biggest downside regarding his trade value because the fact that, you know, he's already hitting that, you know, middle 32 age range. And, you know, his contract isn't bad. It's just uh, I, I that think that's probably the one thing that Cashman's looking at. You know, I think he wants someone long term to be a center fielder for the Yankees. And I think Taylor's kind of like, you know, especially for a team like the Yankees who are trying to win the World Series this year. I don't know if it directly fits into their system. So that's why I was going to ask you before you before you mentioned it. So it ended up working out that if you had to if you had to guess between the Taylor and Benatendi's, you know, who would you say that is definitely, you know, probably on the move or like, you know, or their Royals days are limited? Uh, Benintendi, he is he's on his last year of his contract. It would be. Uh, you know, front office malpractice to not trade him at this point. Uh, if they were going to do an extension, they probably should have done it in the off season already. Um, so I don't expect him to be back in Kansas city. So you got to get something for him and a compensatory pick uh, for him signing with somebody else. Doesn't excite me. Go ahead and trade him and see what prospects you can get. There's got, and like I said, when we were first talking about Benintendi, there's so many rumors and they're, they're talking about like, if you don't get a haul for him, you have failed. So they gotta, they gotta trade Benintendi for something. If they don't trade Taylor, at least he's still under contract for next year. They don't have anybody who's like banging on the door. Like I gotta be up. I gotta get promoted from AAA and I gotta play center field now. So, you know, it wouldn't be bad to have around next year. Uh, but, uh, definitely got to trade Ben and, and I do hope that they'll trade, uh, Michael A. Taylor, because I think that his value is, is probably the highest it's going to get right now. So if you had to make a prediction right now, before we move on to the next question, you I'm gathering by what you're saying, you're going with Ben Attendee. If you were a betting man, he's the one that gets traded. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, as Yankee fans, we would love to have him, man. But, you know, <laughs> it's funny because there's so many Yankee fans that want him. But at the same time, they look at him like plan B because they obviously want the big fish. They want Juan Soto. So it's going to be. Hey, an I want Juan Soto. I don't deadline. blame him. <laughs> yeah, man. It's who does it? Generational talent, man. Exactly. It's interesting. This is going to be a very interesting trade deadline, Jeremy. Going back to our our conversation about the Royals heyday and, and, you know, your world series appearances, a big reason for you guys being there, as I said, was your pitching. One of the dominant figures in that pitching staff that brought you guys there was Zach Granke. What has it been like having him back in the Royals uniform, you know, coming full circle and pitching for you guys again, it must be awesome, huh? Yeah. Um, there, when he got signed to this off season, there was way more celebrating, uh, in my circle of the internet of, of Royals fans than, than you would have expected for getting a, a, an aging right-handed uh, veteran who who hadn't been super great the last year or two. Um, everybody was just so happy to have him back. It's, it, he's been such a great pitcher in his career, and he had his great years in Kansas City. Um, and he's actually, he's even celebrated in Kansas City for demanding the trade uh, that sent him to the Brewers because it brought back Lorenzo Cain and Alcides Escobar, who became the fixtures of those 14 and 15 teams. And and he's got such a quirky personality. Like, there's so many great Zach Granke stories. Like, he's just he's just somebody you want to have on your team so that the beat writers will tell you all this, the Zach Granke stories again. It's funny that you you just mentioned Lorenzo Cain. I actually wanted to ask you uh, off air, but I guess I could do it on air too. You know, Lorenzo Cain kind of had that. Uh, he got his you know his ten year service time and then was designated for assignment. I, I know he played for the Royals for I'd say probably like eight to nine years. I'm assuming that that meant that he was kind of retiring or heading toward retirement. You know, uh, he's he's one of your uh, top players. You know, in the last let's say decade. What did you, how did it feel seeing him, you know, retire and hang it up the way he did? Oh man, it was, it was, it was a bummer for sure. Um, at the same time, like it was, it was nice because 
uh, at the same time they were announcing that they were cutting him, like it was made clear, like they waited till he got to his 10 year service time. So he got that fully, fully vested pension. So it was nice to see him being treated so well by the Brewers um, after he'd done so much for the Royals. Um, and, and I, I just appreciate when, when teams treat guys well, especially guys that were such a big, important part of, of my fandom. Um, I was a little bit kind of part of me was hoping that they might, uh, the Royals might go out and bring him in and say, uh, you know, uh, veteran leadership, uh, come, come be our fifth outfielder for a while, but it's probably smarter that they didn't do that. Um, I, it sounds like Lorenzo is, is pretty, pretty ready to, to move on to the next phase of his life and more power to him. You know, if he signs a one day contract or something to retire with the Royals, I would be super happy about that. Um, uh, and I, I just wish him all the best uh, in, in whatever he's going to do next. He was, he was a great ball player, man. Great ball player to say the least. Let me ask you really quick, one last potential uh, trade target that certainly Yankee fans could use right now, given our, our depletion and our bullpen. Tell me about Scott Barlow. So Scott Barlow is, uh, you, you talk about 14 and 15 in the pitching and the bullpen was so huge. They had the, the Kelvin Herrera, the Greg Holland, the Wade Davis, and Scott Barlow follows kind of in that tradition of being just really, really good on the back end. And he comes in for multiple innings when you need him to, uh, there's, he's just got, um, he, he, he'll walk some guys every once in a while. He'll make you sweat, but then he'll strike out the next couple of guys. And it's like, Oh, you know, take you on that roller coaster ride, but um, he is he's definitely a valuable reliever. The, I don't know how likely he is to be traded. I feel like if you're going to get a Scott Barlow, you're probably going to have to overpay for him, um, because unlike Benintendi, they don't have anybody that can take his spot. He's under contract for next year. Under unlike Taylor, um, he's kind of grown up as a Royal. I know he, he was uh, in, I think it was the Dodgers farm system, uh, but he was in somebody else's farm system and then the Royals signed him, but his whole major league career has been with the Royals. Um, and the Royals like to, that when they got their veterans that have been with the team, they like to just keep them around. Um, and he's the only good reliever they have right now. So if they trade Scott Barlow, like things get real dicey in the bullpen for the rest of the year and the Royals, like it or not like to chase every win they can get even when it takes them from like 70 to 72 um so scott barlow is going to be a hard get for somebody but if you get him you're going to be real happy with him i think for the the remainder of his contract you just might have to give up more in terms of prospects than you uh you otherwise would be prepared to do yeah he he's someone that i know yankee fans and even some yankees insiders have mentioned Obviously, as being within the top three of of relievers that that are uh, that are possibly available and that people and, and and teams have checked in on, because especially like the Yankees, they they got hit hard this week with with losing Michael King for the season. So you know the Yankees quickly have to find relief help to to you know uh, to cover for that loss and especially get you know starting pitching help. You know, and I know the Yankees are looking at other teams for that as well. So. I know the Yankees are dipping their hands in almost everything they can get right now, and so you know I know Barlow is definitely one of those one of those names that that have that have appeared. But moving on toward you know what we're here for is this series four game set at the stadium. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'd be pretty disappointed if the Yankees lost this series. Uh, I don't know it about would be you. if I were you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know about you, but I was, that's what I was about to ask you is. What do you expect from from the Royals? What are your X factors uh, for going into this series? Where do you see the you know Royals stealing a game here, taking the series, whatever, even you know possibly sweeping or something? Um, so the big thing for the Royals is that their starting pitching has kind of subtly improved uh, over the last month or so. It was really bad to start the year, but uh, Brady Singer got demoted, um, Chris Bubich got demoted, and since they've come back, they've been pretty solid. Um, now, Bubich, Bubich, you will definitely face, I think, because he pitched yesterday. Uh, so he should be up for this series this weekend. But uh, it's it, if the Royals limit the if the Royals starting pitchers limit the walks, they can they can be pretty good. Uh, if you guys are taking pitches and you're getting your walks, the Royals are going to be in trouble. 
Uh, that's been the big bugaboo for the team all year. Um, another thing I would watch out for as a Yankees fan is Ryan O'Hearn, who is, he had that huge debut in 2018. He's not been particularly good since, but he's got big time power on the left side. He loves that short porch in right field. Um, so the Royals might give him a couple of starts and uh, let him go out there. They also have Vinny Pasquantino and Nick Prado are both rookies that have come up within the last month or so. Prado actually came up for the Toronto series and then got to stay because of an injury. Um, and they're, they're lefties with power. Um, so watch out for those guys to really, really aim for some home runs. And uh, yeah, I, Honestly, if I were a Yankees fan, I would not be intimidated by these Royals. I they, The trade deadline is coming. They got to get rid of some of these guys. Um, and so the team, Andrew Benintendi might be walking across the parking lot, you know, uh, in the middle of the series. And then suddenly, suddenly uh, the, the Royals are without the, one of their best hitters and you have him. So then you, uh, that's that whole situation could change. But um, yeah, they the Royals actually have a lot of left-handed hitters now that I think about it because they got those guys and they got MJ Melendez, uh, Andrew Benintendi, Kyle Isbell. So they're they're gonna be the, the Royals might my, Royals might be chasing some home runs that could backfire spectacularly. Uh, you know when you change your swing up, uh, it can have some some problems. But um, if it doesn't, you know maybe they they find a way to sneak a, a couple of wins, maybe split this series. I mean, I I gotta tell you, that's a realistic possibility. We had a recent series against Cincinnati where we were thinking, I know me and my co-hosts were thinking that should be a sweep, and we lost two out of three against Cincinnati. The Yankees are very interesting in the sense that they could swing and score runs with the best of them, but then there's certain games where they disappear, you know what I'm saying, where their bats go asleep. You know, we saw it on Saturday against Baltimore where the Yankees left 25 men on base. You know Ooh. what I'm saying? Yeah. So we we tend to have those games where we fall asleep offensively. So if you guys catch us on one of those games, you might be able to steal one. Also, as far as us facing Bubich, for you guys, more than likely, you're going to face Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez. That's your biggest two challenges right uh, there. You know what I'm saying? I don't as, like those odds. Yeah. As far as uh going against Jameis and Tyone and Domingo Herman, if you're gonna face those two guys, you might be able to steal a game there. With Jordan Montgomery, it's always a wild card. He pitches really good, but the Yankees never give him run production. They never give him run support. So it'll be interesting. I feel like it'll be a very interesting series. Even with Garrett Cole, you know, as great as he is, he's been susceptible to the long ball. So if you guys are hunting for that long ball you might just find it you know what i'm saying especially with that right field porch so i feel like it'll be an interesting series i feel like even though me sean i want the sweep don't be surprised if they steal at least one game from us especially if we have a game like what we just had against baltimore i'm not gonna lie to you uh to be honest with you i think the yankees come out and sweep uh, i'm sorry jeremy to say that um <laughs> It's just wins, because wins don't mean a lot to my team right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because, you know, we're coming off of the series with, with, with the Mets at City Field, and that's going to be, you know, the most talked about thing in baseball right now. And for those couple of days while the trade deadline is trying starting to heat up. And then, you know, you, you got to make a statement where you can. And when you have a four-game set against a struggling team in your own home ballpark, you know, you can't let that slip away or, or let any game slip away, especially with the fact that the Yankees – you know, as good as they are at being the best team in baseball, the the Astros are right behind them for best record. And we talk about this on our podcast all the time where, you know, the Astros are, I think, a game and a half or two games behind us at this current moment. And, you know, you don't want to face them in a best of seven with four in Houston. You want four in the Bronx. So, you know, you got to win the games where you can, especially, you know, easier parts of the schedule. Sorry again, Jeremy. But, you know, easier parts of the schedule where you have four in your own home ballpark against a struggling, rebuilding team where the team is literally trying to trade with you. You know, you got to you got <laughs> to get your wins where you can. And, and this is this is that series where you got to go out and make that statement. And I, mean, and I will also say that the Royals pitching is, is built for Kauffman Stadium, not for uh, not for they, they give up a lot of fly balls because there's a lot of space in Kauffman for the fly balls. 
uh, and, and you got the guys that hit the fly balls the, the, a long way. So <laughs> you you may not strand so many runners. I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, I, I I would hope the Royals would take at least one of those games, just like sneak something in there, uh, catch somebody on a bad day. But uh, the split would be, I think, pushing things and a sweep would not surprise me as much as it would absolutely bum me out. I mean, listen, I agree with you, Sean. Like I said, it should be a sweep. But after what happened against Cincinnati, you never know. What does work in our favor is that Domingo Herman is pitching on Wednesday against the Mets. So more than likely, you guys will not see Herman, which works out great for us. Not so well for you guys, because <laughs> that's a guy to take advantage of. I'm guessing if I were a betting man, you're going to see Cole. You're going to see Cortez. You're going to see Tyone and you're going to see Montgomery. I like our odds in every single one of those games. But again, the Montgomery one, Sean, has me nervous because we don't score for him. And the Tyone, it's a toss-up because you don't know which Jamison Tyone you're going to get on any given outing. So we will see. But on that note, Jeremy, thank you. I, I really want to thank you for coming on with us and making the time. I want to give you this time to go ahead and promote whatever you got going on, promote your socials, promote your work. Where can people find you? All right. So, yeah, I write for uh, Royals Review, which is RoyalsReview.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter um, at Hakaius, H-O-K-I-U-S. And uh, I'll tweet about baseball there. I also tweet about video games and anime because I'm just a giant nerd in every way imaginable. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's me. Thanks for having me on. I had a really great time. No, thank thank you. Like, honestly, thank you for, for taking time. I know schedules were a little busy between all of us and, and especially between me and my partner. But uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, we had a blast. Definitely try to do this again sometime. Thank you, Jeremy. And there you have it. We want to thank Jeremy Greco from Royals Review for coming on with us. We hope you guys enjoyed that. For me, my partner, Sean Negron, we want to thank you guys for listening. Please, as always, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review, especially on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe so you get all new episodes on your phone or wherever you listen to your podcasts as soon as they become available. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hot Pod. Until next time, go Yanks!